I hope you've uh, enjoyed the series so far. It's hard to believe that we're already four weeks in, uh, that, uh, that we're more than halfway through. And after today's sermon, we'll only have two sermons left in this series. There, there are still books. If you, I think we have three or four still in the office. If you're interested in getting them, you can just uh, let me or one of the staff people know, and we'll make sure uh, that you, you get one. But we've had some awesome discussions in the small groups that I've been part of uh, on our Sunday night small group. And, and then Wednesday night, uh, we, we've just had some of the best discussions I think we've ever had in those Wednesday night times. Bob, don't you agree? I think we've, we've really just enjoyed that. I hope you all have. I hope you've been enjoying the book. I hope you've been enjoying the sermons and, and all that we're doing as we, we, we explore what it means to be a follower of Jesus and not just a fan of Jesus. Now, now we'd all acknowledge that we prefer comfortable, right? <laughs> if you prefer comfortable, say amen. amen. Yeah, we, we prefer comfortable. Uh, we, we like padded pews. We like comfortable houses, comfortable cars. We, we like things that are comfortable. I, I can recall, and you probably get sick of me talking about it, but when, when, I, when I did Kilimanjaro in 2013, I can, I'll never forget, I came back down from the mountain, and I, was, that, that I had began to suffer a little bit from um, altitude sickness. And so the whole way down, I was dry heaving because I hadn't ate all day, and, and I just felt terrible. And we, we got down to the, the camp that we were going to go to, and I was laying on some hard bench, because that's all you had to sleep on was hard benches. It was indoors. It wasn't a tent, so it wasn't terrible. Uh, but it was a hard bench, and I was sick, and I couldn't contact Terry to let her know how I was doing, and, and, and I was just flat miserable. And as I was laying there, I can remember thinking in my mind, I can remember calculating what I paid to make that stupid climb. <laughs> Uh, I began to, to calculate airline, airfare, and, and the cost for my guides, and, and all the extra training that I did, and all the things I did to prepare, and, and how I felt right then. And I began to remember that probably for what I paid for that, Terry and I together could have went to Hawaii, and I could have been laying in a nice resort and thinking, why in the world did I do this? Now, later I began to appreciate it more. But in that moment, <laughs> the comfortable looked a lot better than the difficult. And we're like that. We prefer comfortable. And so when we stay in a hotel, we like our hotels to be nice and not bug infested, right? <laughs> you know, we, we, Terry and I prefer the Sheraton Suites because they have that sleep easy bed. Oh my goodness. I, you know, you, you never even want to get out of that bed. It's so comfortable. And you know, we, we prefer things like that. We, we like those big hotel robes. Aren't those nice? Those big cotton robes. We like to be comfortable. I, I have an easy chair at home. Uh, it's called a lazy boy. The chair is called a lazy boy, not me. Uh, but, but I lay back in that chair and, and it doesn't function near as good as it used to function. Now it will tip and uh, Dylan let the cat out of the bag. They used to play Battleship on my Lazy Boy chair when I wasn't around. So somebody would get on it and they'd spread it out and whoever knocked the chair over first uh, wins. Uh, but, but we like lazy chairs. We, we like it easy. We, we, we like cars that are comfortable. We, we like padded pews. We like all those things. And there's really nothing wrong with wanting to be comfortable. There's nothing wrong with it. But when it begins to invade our spiritual life, when it begins to, to take control of our spiritual walk, when we begin to practice 
easy chair Christianity, we're missing the point. And we're missing what God wants to do in our church, in our families, in our lives. Hear me. Jesus does not offer easy chair Christianity. And and, and when we begin to think that the call of Jesus is a call to what's comfortable and what's easy, then we're missing what God is trying to do in our life through Jesus Christ. Fans choose comfortable over the cross. Fans choose comfortable over the cross. Now, as I prepared this, and there's probably not a theologian in the 21st century, 20th, 21st century, what century is it? 20th century. That has been more um, forming to me than Bonhoeffer. And, uh, you know, I talk about Bonhoeffer, the cost of discipleship, life together, uh, his prison letters. There's, there's been a lot of his writings that are, are profoundly shaping to me for whatever reason. And, and, and I don't know why. I, I think it's because he lived his faith so closely. I mean, it, you know, to say that there's a cost of discipleship and, and for me to say those things is one thing. But for Bonhoeffer to say it and then to die for his faith is another thing. And so as I, as I thought about this, it reminded me of, of, of Bonhoeffer's cost of discipleship. And in the cost of discipleship, uh, Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace and, 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 and how grace has been cheapened by the modern church. And he says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And I thought as we begin to talk about how hard it is at times that God's not calling us to the comfortable, I thought that quote fits perfectly where we're going today. Discipline? Church discipline? (laughs) Confession, suffering, hardship, dying to self, obedience. As we talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, all of these phrases, all of these words are essential if we want to be true followers and not just fans of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, this pastor included, we pass right by those things to the easier things. We bypass dying to self and we bypass obedience and confession and discipline and suffering and hardship. And folks, as I read my Bible, there's no way to be a follower of Jesus other than through these kinds of things. Now, I like to work out. Who likes to work out? Raise your hand. You like to work out? You know, I I do. And I have the body to prove it, yeah. No. Um, I I do. I I love to work out at the gym. I I enjoy it. I I don't like working out in the gym in January because everybody's doing their New Year's resolutions and it's real crowded. Uh, But, but, you know, I I like going to the gym. I like running and walking and doing those kind of things. And, And I have a tendency 
when I work out to begin to do the same things. That, that I'll get into a routine that I know and I'm comfortable with and I'll do it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, I'll lift a certain way. I'll, I, you know, I, I'll get on the elliptical. I'm an elliptical maniac, man. I can go like crazy on that. But because there's a principle in working out that, that your body can become accustomed to a certain way of working out, a certain way of doing things and lifting, and it no longer challenges your body. Are we tracking? And so where, where, where I can go, you know, I can get on an elliptical and, and I can go for an hour, no problem. But by the time I've gotten to where I can do that, that long, it's not really getting me in a better shape, a better state. Where am I going with this? I, I think it's possible in the church that you could be doing and going and serving but you've not challenged yourself to do things beyond what's normal and what you've grown accustomed to. And so you're, 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 you have the appearance of working like crazy, but are you allowing God to challenge you into new areas of your life? See, it's possible to be going through the Christian walk and just simply going through the motions spiritually. See, God calls us to something deeper. And he doesn't call us to this easy chair Christianity, even an easy chair spirituality that's, that's frantically going through the motions, the same motions over and over. But he calls us to take up our cross, Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. As followers, we, we are not called to admire the cross, be thankful for the cross simply. It's, you know, we're, we, we admire, we're thankful, but that's not the end. We're, we're not called just to consider the cross. We are called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Now, folks, we're, we're holiness people, right? Okay, one, we're holiness people, right? This should be something that is very important to us, that, that is significant in our church and in our message. And I hear a lot of things that we talk about that, that, that represents us. This represents us, the cross. We are a people who have seriously taken Jesus' call to heart to take up his cross, to take up our cross and follow him wherever he goes. And we believe that by the power of his Holy Spirit, he gives us the ability and the willingness and the wherewithal to endure suffering and hardship and be obedient to him in the midst of this chaotic life we live in. We are people of the cross. And so... As we, as we begin this message this morning, there's some questions I want you to consider. And, and I want you to prayerfully consider these. Th think about these questions hard. And, um, and answer them honestly. First one is this. When was the last time following Jesus made you uncomfortable? So 
It's been a week, a month, 10 years. When was the last time that, that Jesus called you to do something that, that to, to follow him meant that you were no longer in your comfort zone? You know, you know why the church doesn't reach many people? Because the church isn't reaching out to a lot of people. Craig Groeschel says, to, to, to reach people no one else is reaching, we have to do things that no one else is doing, or something to that effect. And see, many times we get so caught up in our comfort zone that we never allow God to push us out of what's easy. When was the last time following Jesus made you uncomfortable? When was the last time you did something you did not want to do because it was necessary to follow Jesus? I mean, uh, folks, this is beyond cultural Christianity, but, but this is God calling us to do something that we really don't want to do, but we do it not because we want to, but because... Jesus asked us to. When was the last time? Has it, has it been in this week? Finally, when was the last time following Jesus cost you something you did not want to give? I don't know about you folks, but as I consider those questions, they cut me. That, that oftentimes, too often at least, I choose comfortable over the cross. Fans choose comfortable. And God is calling us to be followers who will choose the cross no matter whether it makes us uncomfortable, no matter whether it pushes us out of our E-zone, no matter whether it costs us something we do not want to give. Who's going to watch a Super Bowl tonight? Oh, come on, raise your hand. You're going to watch it. Who's going to watch a Super Bowl commercials tonight, Okay. You know, in, in the Super Bowl, there's going to be, I, I don't know, will there be billions of people watching it or just millions? There'll be a lot of people watching it. And, uh, you know, there'll be, this is probably the only time in the year that some people will watch football or at least watch the first half and, and, and then, then get disinterested. But, but there's this big football game and, and there's all sorts of people watching this game, interested in this game, engaged in this game. And then there's those who are playing. See, see, those who are playing have invested of themselves, they've sacrificed, they've given of their time, they've given of their energy. Uh, when, when there's a big hit on the field, they're going to fill it, <laughs> maybe for the next week. You know, they, they put their life on the line, they put their health on the line to be engaged in this game. They are not fans. They are engaged. But the vast majority, there's no risk, there's no hardship, there's no personal investment. We're just merely observers of the game. To, to be a follower of Jesus means that we move from fan and observer to follower, willing to pay the cost, willing to be engaged in the game. Some of you, it, it's possible you've watched long enough. Yeah, you, you've watched the game maybe since you were a little, little kid. And you've enjoyed watching, and maybe from time to time you've stepped into roles. And right now the Spirit is speaking to you. God is speaking to you through His Holy Spirit. And he's saying, this is the time. 
this is the opportunity. And you're going to move from fan to follower. See, fans are thankful for the cross. They celebrate the cross. They, they may even wear it on a chain around their neck. And, and they're thankful for the images of the cross. And, and they recognize the value of the cross. And they honor the cross. Fans do all of those things. Followers carry their own cross. And although they recognize and they're thankful that the only way that we can carry a cross is because Jesus carried his cross, they realize that this call of God is not just to salvation, but to a changed life where we are engaged as if we are Christ here. To go back to another series, as if we are Jesus here, carrying our own cross in obedience to God, following his will. Last week, we talked about intimacy. And uh, followers live in this state of intimacy with, with, with God, that, that, that he knows them and, and they're, they're pursuing hard after God. They're, they're doing all they can to know and follow him. I was reading, I'm reading through Not a Fan Again, and in my reading today, this, this pursue word or, or, you know, come after me is this, it's, it's almost a romantic word that like you pursue your first love or you pursue your husband or your wife. And it's just this urgency, passionate following after Jesus. And, and, and so as followers, we're passionately seeking Jesus. Are you passionate about that relationship? When you get up in the morning, do you, do you say, oh, I really want to get closer to God today. More important than anything else, Lord, help me to draw closer to you. So we talked about intimacy, and I, and I, and I hope that was helpful. But, but, but the cross is the beginning. Bonhoeffer writes, the cross is not the hor- terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. In other words, it's, it's not like, well, I'm going to live my life and, and the cross may be out there, but I begin to carry my cross as I enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ. As I, as I begin to seek Him, it's through carrying my own cross that it draws me into a deeper intimacy with Him. It's the meaning of Paul saying, you know, I share in his sufferings. That that sharing in the sufferings of Christ draws us into this deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to carry the cross? When we we use that phraseology, when we talk about carrying the cross, what what does it particularly mean to us? How do we practically apply this? I mean, you know, it's it's not a a physical cross. We we don't... um, we, we don't physically carry a cross around. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that, that, that you, you see visually. It's not just dying for the sake of dying. It's not just giving away your life just because I'm going to give away my life. It's, it's not just suffering just to suffer. 
you know, I don't, I don't know what you think about it. I don't even know what I think about it. Every once in a while you'll see those guys, and it's usually in, in Latin America that will nail themselves to crosses. And, uh, and they'll suffer, and, you know, uh, you know I, I don't understand all that, and, you know, I'm not going to judge what they're doing because I don't know enough about it, but, but, but it's not just suffering. It's just not cutting yourself so you can suffer. It's not just depriving yourself just to deprive yourself. It's not about just, just hard times. <laughs> Every once in a while you'll hear somebody go, well, that's, that's my cross to bear. <laughs> you know, and usually they're talking about something that's, difficult in their life, and, and maybe God's using this suffering to draw them close to him, but, but it's not just some hard thing that you go through. You know, it's not, not just somehow suffering with no meaning, but cross means more than that. See, the, the cross represents obedience to God. Can you say obedience with me? Obedience. The cross isn't about just dying. It's not just about suffering. But the cross represents obedience to the will of the Father. Well, we see this over and over in, in, in Jesus' account. Jesus, Jesus is carrying the cross. He's going to Jerusalem. And, and we find this played out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and the cross is before him. And he's not wanting to die on the cross. Jesus loved you. But Jesus did not die on the cross because of love. He died on the cross because of obedience. He wasn't emotionally saying, oh, Father, please give me the cross. What did he say? Is there any other way? But not my will, but your will. See, we get all caught up I know I do. Maybe you don't. And, oh, please give me the feelings so that I can be obedient. Sometimes the feelings follow the obedience, folks. And sometimes we just have to follow. And I know this isn't, um, I don't know if I can say this word. I'm going to say it. This isn't sexy teaching. <laughs> this isn't grabbing your mind teaching but it's true we want feeling before action but oftentimes folks feeling follows actions and when God has revealed his known will in your life obedience will oftentimes be the precursor the beginning of having feelings that are correct and, and, and consistent with being obedience Jesus did not die on the cross because of a great, passionate love for us, but a great, passionate love for the Father and a willingness to be obedient to Him no matter what it cost. Not my will, but your will. Not what matters in my life is not what I want, God, but what you want, God. And it drives us to this point where we're willing to seek out God's will, even if it's contrary to our will. Where we're willing to dive into God's word and find out what God reveals through his word because what's more important is not what I want or what I feel, but what you want in my life, God. 
I'm willing to be engaged with other believers who help me understand this book together. This is a community book that is best understood with other Christians. We read it together. We apply it together. We talk about it together. And I'm willing to submit myself to other believers that help me find God's will in my life. I believe, I value personal prayer closets and personal devotion time. But I got to tell you folks, if you're doing this on your own, you're missing the whole point of community. Even our heavenly father operates in the midst of community, in the midst of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And he expects his people to do the same. You say, well, Pastor, why, why do you keep emphasizing small groups and Sunday school and connection? I'm telling you, folks, it's the only way to get through this in a way where we find obedience with the Father. We need each other. And so to be a person of the cross, it is to be obedient to God. What we carry our cross when obedience to God's will is our primary concern. When the most important thing in my life is I want to be obedient to God, then we carry our cross. And that's contrary to our culture, right? We understand that? Watch the commercials tonight and you'll realize that that is contrary to our culture. We we live in a a culture where number one is me. And and what I want is the primary thing. You you have two things that that are sold to you. And I I can't remember, we we were just talking about this somewhere. Two things are sold to you over and over on television. Number one is fear. You're being sold fear, okay? You are being constantly unsettled by the, you know, the the, the news. They they want to unsettle you. They They want you to be anxious. They want you to have fear because that drives you back into their market. Disagree with me if you want, but you watch it with an open mind and fear is being sold to us. And the second thing is need. (laughs) Over and over, you are told you need, you need. To be happy, you need. Everyone else has, you need, you need, you need. And so we live in the culture where media and other, other areas of life constantly bombard us with fear and need. And so we begin to believe that the only thing that matters is how I feel. The only thing that matters is getting what I need and what I want. What was the Burger King commercial years ago? What what Burger King used to say? Have it your way. Yeah. Special orders don't upset us, right? And that's kind of the culture that we live in. And, And frankly, folks... I don't know what it was like 50 years ago. I was four years old. (laughs) So I don't remember 50 years ago, but I know in our culture, we live in a Burger King Christian world where it's all about my way. And when the music's not right and the pastor's too boring or too loud or too quiet, when the seats aren't comfortable enough, when the ministries aren't thriving enough, when anything is a challenge 
to people's spirituality. They go down the street to another church because they want it their way. Sometimes God calls us from churches. Folks, I, I understand that. I, you know, and it, Terry and I were, were at um, Springdale Church of the Nazarene, got married, and God took us to Tri-County. You know, we, we weren't dissatisfied with, with Springdale, but God took us there to, to Tri-County. And I know if I wouldn't have been at Tri-County, I wouldn't have been called in the ministry and serving like I am now. That's what happens. Pastors move. <gasps> So God does call people from churches, but too often what's called us from churches is not God, but what we want. Special orders do upset us. (laughs) So how do I insist on my own way? My reputation is too important to apologize. What matters is my own esteem. My right to judgment supersedes God's call to forgiveness. I'm more concerned with with what I don't have than what I do have. And so I'm not willing to be thankful. My, my, My leisure time is more important than serving. My bank account is more important than God's kingdom. See, there's all sorts of ways that we choose our comfort and we choose our needs and we choose our desires over the kingdom of God. And if we're going to be people of the cross, folks, God's way, God's will becomes primary in our life. Ultimately, Obedience to God means that I must die to myself. Oh, man. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard, isn't it? It is. Folks, it's hard. And see, I think it's hard. I think it's something that even a long-time believer, somebody that's done in the past, I think sometimes it's hard in the day-to-day. That maybe you were carrying the cross last week, but you see what's before you this week and you're saying I really don't want to pick up the cross this week maybe somebody's hurt you and God's calling you to forgive and and you're willing to give but man I've got to die to myself enough that I'm willing to forgive even in this moment see I want to do things my own way nobody else like that if I'm honest, too often in my life, I want to, I want to even serve God in my own way. I, I, I want my Burger King Christianity. I, I want to do things in my own power. I want to be the guy that picks myself up by my own bootstraps. That's kind of my personality. The, the worst thing I can do is say, Hey, can you help me? <laughs> and sometimes that even relates to my relationship with God. It's, it's like I'm just going to bull my way through. Anybody else like that? No, raise, raise your hand. <laughs> to die to myself, I've got to let go of that. 
I've got to say, God, this is your day and it's your way. (laughs) Whatever you want to do, God, I'm willing for you to, to take charge of this day. This is something that's taken me a long time in my life to understand. You know, we're, we're, we're a holiness church, and, and, you know, second time I've said that today, but, but I think it's a danger in our church that, that, that I see too often. That, you know, you, you have that trip and you get saved, you know, our, kind of our Nazarene way of thinking. Then we have that trip and you get sanctified, and it's all done. Oh, well, you've given it all to God. I believe in those moments. I believe in those crisis events. But I also believe that every day is a new day. And and I've realized the significance in my life that, that all those things that happened in the past, I value them, they're important. But today is a new day. This is a new day. And daily we take up our cross. And it's possible It's possible that that some of you long ago had a crisis experience, but the daily business has kind of tripped you up. It's not that you've went out into to blatant sin. It's not like you're dancing or anything. (laughs) That was that was just for me. If you didn't laugh, that's okay. But if you were honest, the experience is cold and old and nearly forgotten. And the key was not, well, you need another Pentecost. But you need more mornings where you're getting up and saying, not my will, but your will. Not what what I want, God, but what you want. And the relationships drawn tired and cold and routine. And you may just need to say, God, I want you to wake me up. And I want you to give me something hard. I want you to put my faith on the line today. And I want you to call me to something more than routine so I can prove to you just how much I love you. Well, that's a scary thing to pray, isn't it? God, I need woke up. It's an old story. I, I love it. It's, um, anybody remember Robin Ventura? He played for the White Sox and the New York Mets. Um, you guys are all too young to remember. He played in the 80s. It was like the 1980s was a decade and the 20th century for those of you who weren't alive then. But it was a story in sports. And it's always stuck with me that, you know, it was in the middle of August. And, you know, it's hot, and they were in the middle of a pennant run. He's playing for the Mets at that point, and they were in the middle of a pennant run. But, you know, baseball is a long season, 162 games, and, you know, they can get in those stretches where they're just kind of going through the motions, and they're sitting in the dugout, and it's a close game, but nobody's excited. And, and Robin Ventura, the story was that he comes sliding in to the dugout and just sprayed all of them with dirt and then got up and stood up and went, Wake up! Sometimes I feel that about like that with this church. It's time to wake 
up. It's time to stop going through the motions. It's time to stop being a fan. It's time to be excited about God. It's time to be on the move for God. We need to wake up. And I understand it's 9.30. Pastor, you yelled way too early. (laughs) Fans are awake. Fans see the signs. Followers are awake. I'm not awake. Followers see the signs all around them. Followers are engaged. Followers are seeking the lost. Followers are bearing their cross. See, ultimately, in God's upside-down kingdom, the cross is the way of real life. Stanley Harwas in uh, Resident Aliens says, the cross is not a sign of the church's quiet, suffering submission to the powers that be, but rather the church's revolutionary participation in the victory of Christ over those powers. The cross is not a symbol of general human suffering and oppression. Rather, the cross is a sign of what happens when one takes God's account of reality more seriously than Caesar's. The cross stands as God's and ours eternal no to the powers of death as well as God's eternal yes to humanity. God's remarkable determination not to leave us on our own devices. It's a sign of real life. It's it's letting go of our own life. This upside down kingdom of God that, that when I let go of living my life on my own, I really find life in him. You know, it's, it's the sign, it's a, it's a path to real satisfaction. When I, when I let go of finding my own satisfaction and find my satisfaction in God, then I am truly, fully, wholly satisfied. It's how I gain what really matters by letting go of just what I desire. So let me ask you, are you a fan or a follower? Amy, can you come and just play quietly? I'm going to read scripture and um, stand with me if you will. This is our response time. And, um, you know, maybe God's speaking to you about your comfort zone, trying to move you out of it. Maybe maybe you're praying for somebody else. I don't know. But we're going to, I'm going to read scripture and then we're just going to wait for a few moments if you'd like to come and, and kneel at the altar. You know, there's no judgment at this place. You, you realize that, right? Nobody's going to look at you and say, oh, look, they're praying, something's wrong. But, but this is a place where followers, and in our tradition, in our church, this has historically been a place where people have been helped. The altar's not the only place, but it's a great place. And so as the Spirit's speaking, I, I try to just be obedient to, to God in those moments and, and allow Him as He speaks. I just come and He talks to me. And so I'd invite you, if you'd like to come, come quickly after I read this scripture because I'm going to close in prayer in just a minute. This is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we are being saved No, it's the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise 
and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to, to the world, saw to it that the world would not never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. And the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let's pray, and then, then I'd ask you, if you'd like to respond, respond quickly. Lord, help us to be obedient to you in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for what Jesus did for us. But the cross is not a, a past tense event. It's the call of every follower of Jesus Christ to take up our cross and to follow him. Lord, this isn't just about suffering for the sake of suffering or dying just for the sake of dying, but it's about finding your will and walking in it. To be able to say, no matter what, not my will, but your will. Lord, oftentimes this... Um, we see this in very practical ways. You call us to forgive and we want to hold a grudge. And yet Jesus gives us the example of not my will, but your will. The Lord, I will bear your cross. I will be obedient to you. And in the midst of this moment, I will forgive. Sometimes it's serving. And God gives us opportunity and and Lord, we just don't want to let go of our leisure and our pleasure. We like comfortable. To take up our cross is to say yes to God, no matter what the cost might be. Lord, oftentimes it's our finances. We're more concerned with our bank accounts than the kingdom of God. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to us in those moments. Jesus talked about money because oftentimes, Lord, it reflects what's important to us. So Lord, help us to be people who practice radical generosity because that is the way of the cross. Lord, help us to love one another and to love you. And Lord, help us not just to speak appreciation for the cross but to live lives that demonstrate the cross to show others what it means to follow hard after you to pursue you Lord I've been challenged by this series what am I willing to risk for you Even in this preacher's life, life can become 
going through the motions of spiritual life. You preach and you serve and you read your Bible and it becomes just a comfortable day-to-day life. And then I consider the call. And I realize, Lord, you're not calling us to what's comfortable, but you're calling us to a state of obedience that's willing to do whatever you ask us to do, no matter what it might be. But right now, I pray that you challenge us. Challenge me. Lord, maybe not just go out in a halfway manner, in a way without prayerful consideration, in a way beyond the call of your spirit. But Lord, I pray that you'll open our ears. You'll make our hearts tender enough, our minds open enough to see how you're calling this church, your people. Lord, I'm concerned for our world. I'm concerned for our community. Here we are on a Sunday morning, and I don't know what the percentages are, but I I would venture to guess that probably fewer than 20% of our friends and our family and our neighbors have found the time to be in a church. You're not saved by being in church, but Lord, oftentimes it reflects a passion for you. And Lord, oftentimes it's like we don't even care. We're here, we're happy. And maybe our families are here. Help us, Lord, to develop a passion for lost people. That, Lord, we're not content with the status quo. Lord, may we take seriously heaven and hell and eternity. Lord, may it drive us to a point where we're willing to to practice radical obedience to you, whatever the cost might be. Push us out of comfort zones. Now, Lord, we love you. We're thankful that all these things you're calling us to do, we can't do but for what Jesus did first. But it's by his sacrifice that I'm willing and able to sacrifice. It's by the gift of your Holy Spirit that you empower us to be witnesses, to be martyrs for you. So Lord, fill us once again with your spirit. Fill us in such a way that we can be and we can show Jesus to our community. Now, Lord, I love you. I pray your blessing on these, your people. They're good people. And Lord, if there's been any part of this message that's not from you, I pray, Lord, that your your grace will, will wash over it. And Lord, we'll find our sufficiency, our will in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.